if Maury supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. Sending out good vibes. Blah blah blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Blah blah blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection, and put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. I mean, I, I'm two generations away from somebody who didn't have this inordinate pressure to be the most beautiful person in the world. I, I think men and women these days suffer terrible pressure. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Guy America Show. We are going to be chatting with Lori Watson a little bit later. Great chat, fun chat. Um, kind of a little out of the out of our normal scope. It was still a great chat. Grandma and I learned a little bit, and uh, yeah, big thanks to Lori for coming on the show. Of course, we got everyone's favorite podcaster over here, Graham Refuge Recovery Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good. Why'd you say that? I just read your laptop. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, thanks. I can't still come can't believe any you, more creative than you that. Crossed out the Trump sticker with that chipmunk. Yeah. So, how was C SETI? It was good, yeah. Oh, yeah, we haven't talked about that yet. That reminds me, I owe Jason a text. He probably thinks I think he's crazy. No, no, no. Jason, I, I don't him, think that. I told him you were really busy. So, oh, okay. Because yeah. the last thing he texted me was we were having a conversation. And I just noticed that the last thing he texted me that I didn't respond is he wanted to take me out to where he's seen the Sasquatch. And then it's like I just stopped responding. I feel bad. I think my phone rang or something, and then I just didn't think of it again until last night. I was just like, holy shit, I was in the middle of a conversation. He asked me to He asked me to give you his number, and I said, no, no. You, you, I'll give you his number, and you text him. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm impossible to get a hold of. No, um, it's because you're too busy to reach out and get a hold of somebody else. That's right. Once you're in you my know, queue, yeah, you're good. I thought, Once you're in my queue, you'll then. never get out of my queue, but just getting into the queue. Yeah. Not yeah, even the cue. That's a bad word for it, yeah, but you know what I mean? Busy. It's just get, it's no, just too busy. Yeah. Just too busy to keep up with fucking everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's been busy around here, especially with the latest. Oh, the Vax debate went fucking nuclear. Yeah. Or nuclear. I mean, we might as well get into that Depending little bit. Depending on whether you're Team Darren or Team Graham, it either went nuclear or nuclear. Yeah. I mean, I did want to mention just this chat with Lori a little bit. I mean, it was pretty pretty good, right? We went over all, a lot of the stats on couples and what did we talk about again? Couples therapy and how to to get a little closer and yeah. oh, it was about sex the persuader lives. and the avoider and all that, right? Yeah, a lot yeah, of sex yeah. life discussion. Yeah. A lot of good stuff for anyone who's in uh, a committed intimate relationship or anything like that. This is going to be a super helpful. Oh, there's a quiz too. Helpful thing. Yeah, there's a free quiz she has. You can go there and take the quiz. Did you do the I quiz? Thought, yet? No, I forgot. We should. Shit, we should have done it for the intro. We should have. I forgot. Damn. Okay, we'll have to follow up on you're, that. You're a pursuer for sure. No, I don't think so. Oh, not come in a relationship. On. Sometimes I feel like you're pursuing me. <laughs> anyway, it's a great chat. I am. I'm waiting for you in here to get this to intro reply to my email. <laughs> I'm a busy guy. Uh, oh yeah. So big thanks to Lori. Of course, her show is Foreplay. Play Sex Talk Radio. Oh, yeah, right. We'll link yeah. to that in the show notes. That's how I found him. I'm a fan of the podcast. I think that's the one I became a patron of. And then it emailed all our patrons and told them. Yeah. I wonder if it did that when I went on the Sam Hyde. Anyway, I don't even want to get into that here. Oh, we should also mention 
that uh, we'll be interviewing Graham Hancock later this week. Oh, are we? Actually, this will come out tomorrow. So we're going to do a special live stream Friday morning. Really? Friday morning? Yeah, at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. So that's 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern. It's a good Friday, so you guys should all be off. And uh, that's just the day that worked out best to get. We wanted to get Graham on as soon as possible. So we're getting him while he's still in England. But that should work out. So he's going to do it in his afternoon and our morning. So if anybody has questions. We just got the book in today. It's a bit too big to read within four days, that's for sure. Oh, my God. It's a small print, too. Oh, my God. But if anybody has questions for Graham, uh, let us know. It's Or just join us in the chats as well. 600 pages. Yeah, it's pretty big. I was actually listening to an interview of his last night on a show about it, and it sounds great. Oh, okay. Okay. It sounds fantastic. Great interview. He was talking about Randall Carlson and compact impact theory and all that fun stuff. It'll be a great show. Um, I've been waiting for a few years to have Graham on, so we're looking forward to that one. And, of course, it, it just lines up great with our event next week or next month in Colorado with Randall Carlson. Doing some site tours, check it. So I got to mention this before we move on to things. There's about four raffle tickets left. So we want to sell this thing out. We're doing a draw next week. Four tickets left, four or five tickets left. They're 20 bucks a piece. That is for a private queen bedroom, $1,200 value in the second trimester, May 20th to 23rd. $20 a ticket. There's a couple left. Email adam at to get in on that. Of course, next week we're also doing the draw for a bunk spot or a tent spot. I can't remember one of the two. And that's just, to do that, you just have to be a supporter of the Grand America Show at any level. I just let Adam know, Adam at GrandAmerica.com, that you want to be in there, right? That's right. Both so, to, so for, to be in either draw, draw, you have to email Adam to be in either yeah. of them. You have to be a sort of supporter for one. You have to have a raffle ticket to, for and the other. And when are we doing the draw again? Uh, we said the 20th, so, but we'll probably just do it next show day. Next, maybe we'll do it Friday after Graham, the interview with Graham, maybe. We'll either do it Friday after the interview with Graham, or, I mean, it would be nice to do it Wednesdays when we have the live thing. I was yeah. thinking we might, men might be nice to do it live. Well, we'll do, we'll do our Graham live too. Probably. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 Okay. But okay. I just don't think there'll be as many people watching. Right. Yeah. So I think we'll just do the draw next Wednesday. And I mean. But that's, uh, that's turned into, to, uh, that's going to be really good. That no, trip the trip's going to be amazing. And, yep. Me and the family are going to head down. You're heading down. We're both going to be there the whole time. I sent Alan my details on the CE5 um, events that I want to have there. So yeah. we'll probably have one each trimester when we're there. And we had a we had a CE5 uh, night the other night, went out. And I asked for advice. Not, I mean, I was talking to the group about it, but I asked for advice on uh, like how to handle this one with the trip. Because it's a bunch of people that probably haven't done it before. There's going to be lots of uh, people smoking up and drinking and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I got, so I, anyways, we asked a question. And so Celia put, formed it into these two questions. Like, is it this or is it that? Bing, bing, two flashbulbs to answer. Like, it was pretty crazy. Is that that? Yeah. Was it one, yeah. one bulb for this yeah. and two for that? Yeah. So what's the verdict? Just, it's just, I wrote up the email. Like it's oh, all, I, didn't I read it. wrote up the thing. Yeah. So, was I on the email? No, I don't okay. think so. I, was just, I didn't read yeah. it. I don't bother putting you on emails anymore. That's good. I get too many emails. Anyways, we had a good night. We saw some saw some flashbulbs and a couple, uh, lots of alleged satellites or fast walkers. Lots of those. Like all, I, I mean, 10 or 12 of them. It's pretty crazy. Got cold though. Oh yeah, it was, it was wet this weekend. Wet yeah, cold, cold and yeah. wet. I went out to Golden, out to BC. Oh yeah. Went and stayed in a little chalet out there. Nice little cabin in the mountains. Super cheap. It's nice out there. It's waking up in the mountains. Yeah. Fantastic. 
So that was fun. Actually, we went out for lunch today down in Lethbridge, and Buddy was telling me about uh, about how he likes conspiracies. He overheard me talking about something. He came over and talked about how he liked conspiracy, and he mentioned a podcast that he was a big no fan way, of. No way, really? Then Kyle tried to tell him about Grand America, but he walked away. Did you, did you recognize it, the one he mentioned? Uh, yeah, I think I did. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what it was now. It caught me off guard. Yeah, oh, yeah it totally guard. does. It totally does. I don't like really talking about being a podcaster in public. For no. the most part. Yeah, I met with a guy too, and we were having coffee, and he mentioned, um, he, we started talking about all these topics, and he had the, very, the same point of view as us, like not, you know, not, an, not having the answer to a lot of stuff, but being, knowing about a lot of the stuff we talk about, it was pretty interesting. It's cool when you bump into somebody like that and you realize that they're, they probably know a good chunk of your guest list. Oh, yeah. Most well, people won't. We should say a big shout out to everyone who came over for the conspiracy guys. I've actually got a couple tweets and emails and everything else from people that uh, heard us on the conspiracy guys and now are loving the show. Good, actually, good, I, have yeah. a, I have a buddy who was talking to his buddy. We just randomly, he called me up and he's like, I was just talking to my buddy and he was just telling me about this podcast from fucking from Calgary that he heard of called the Grey America Show that he heard of on the Conspiracy Guys and it's the best podcast ever. And Tom goes, that's my boss's podcast. And buddy's just like, no way. <laughs> really? yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. Worlds are colliding. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's too bad, really. I really, you know, in some ways it's good. In other ways, I was really just kind of like ruining the day that world started colliding. Yeah. And now it's just like worlds are ping-ponging off of each other all over the place. Yeah. Overlapping. And yeah. But for all the new people, what we do here is we just do it. We get the listeners involved. We read some emails. We do a little bit of banter back and forth for the intro to each uh, interview. And then, and then you know, about we half hour, for 45 money. minutes later, yeah, we sort of beg for money. We don't have any ads or anything like that. We're fully listener-supported. And then we just, uh, you can, you know, you can listen to it. Or you can fast-forward to the timestamp in the show notes where the interview Actually, you know starts. What? I don't want to call it that anymore. We're not going to call it begging for money anymore. What we do is we remind you guys that we take several hours out of our lives each week to record and produce and put together and interview these shows with people like Lori Watson or the vaccine debate or Graham Hancock coming up or Randall Carlson or Albert Nuremberg or you name it. We go out, we take time, we interview all these people. It adds a value to our lives by doing that. And we think that when you guys listen to it, it adds some value to your life. So we like you guys just kind of wrap that up at the end of the show Listen to however many Grimerica shows. Think what's what's a Grimerica show worth to you? Is it worth a buck a month? Is it worth two bucks a month? Is it worth twenty bucks a month? We're not going to tell you. We're going to let you decide. Head over to Grimerica.ca/support and decide how much the show is worth to you. Well, and here's why it's really important right now. I'm telling you, we are in an age where He's telling us this censorship and this shadow banning is a real thing. So I want to get into that a bit because. 99.19% of our listeners are in podcast format, and most of those go through iTunes. We do have, you know, YouTube videos up, and we are on other platforms, but the majority of it is through iTunes. The day, two days after, is it two days after, a day after, and I mean, we heard this is an issue, but Darren's pretty much got proof that right after we had Dell Bigtree on just to discuss vaccines. I mean, we're not even, you know, a full anti-vax thing. We're just talking about we want to see more science about it. You can't even have these discussions now. We're shadow banned. So Darren's got the stats of where we were at, where we've been at for the last two and a, two and a half years, and instantly after we had Dell on, which is not only us that have said this. So, I mean, this is getting, this is getting pretty bad. We can't even discuss these topics now. 
I got a couple emails to, to read about this as well from people. Oh, yeah, we need to do it. I mean, that's it, it all comes into the same thing we talked about last week. I mean, the Vax show was kind of, uh, and regardless of where your stance is on that, I think that everyone in Grimerica can probably agree that no one should be telling us we can't talk about stuff in a free and open society. And you shouldn't be getting shouted down for it, and there should be no shaming, and it's just, it's disgusting. And we've seen firsthand some shadow stuff but since I mean, we had belt. I mean, I, I sent you the picture of the charts today. We've been in the, we've, we've been in the top. We average around 20 to 30. And then, you know, if you go four or five days without a show, maybe you drop down. Into, but we've been in the top 100 philosophy podcasts for the last three years straight. And suddenly, a week after we have Dell on, we drop down. Was, no, it was even closer than that. Three days. Two, days, two, 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 two or three days, days after we had Dell on. We've dropped down into oblivion, never come back out. Even though we've got more reviews in the last three weeks than we have in the last year. Yeah. So there's an algorithm that obviously kept us up there for years. Mm -hmm. And we're still growing. And now everything is growing, going up. Everything's going up. All the parameters are going up until right after Dell's episode. Well, no, not even that. All the other parameters are still going up. That's what I'm saying. But except yeah, 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 our yeah. rankings in iTunes, which I get well, no. a lot of people say it doesn't matter. No, and it, it might probably not, doesn't matter. But I still think that people discover the show that way. We don't know how many people discover the show that way, but people do, obviously, because they go to they go to that page and and we're up there. Mm -hmm. But now we go to that page and we're not there anymore. So everyone should go. So even if you're not using iTunes anymore, everyone should at least be subscribed to the show on iTunes. Let's do that this week and see if that helps. But I, I don't know. I think we're, we, we've gotten ourselves in trouble somehow. It doesn't matter. Well, it's because we're but talking no, it doesn't about matter. these. It's because we're talking about taboo topics we now. The only reason George. we haven't been censored more is because we're not big enough yet to be censored we've more. We've got our buddy George that can help us set up all the infrastructure so that we don't even have to worry about that stuff. But it all costs money. And I mean, when I was talking to, I, I've, been, I've been already talking to Void Zero about what that kind of costs. And it's a lot. It's intimidating, especially because yeah. it's in American dollars and we work with Canadian dollars. So it's even more intimidating, but it's about double what we pay for rent to go do all that. And I don't think we need to do everything right away. Like I said, I'd like to get, I'd like to get uh, some of our stuff up there, especially our website and all that kind of stuff. And I'd like to just have the audio hosted there as a backup so that, you know, we could even have it have it someplace, you know, so it's on the website. So if Grimerica ever goes down and iTunes or you can't get it from Libsyn or RSS feed stops working, you're like, what the fuck? Or they're not on Twitter. They're not anywhere. But you know what still works? Grimerica.ca because it's on an untouchable server that we bought. Yeah. And then you go there and, hey, what's on the front page? It's a new RSS feed that's also on the server that we bought that, that no you can one can put fucking in, that stop you, anymore. That you can put in your podcast player yeah, anyways, right? Exactly. So but, there is going to be a manual go round, but I mean, that's, that's something we got to think about. It's the stuff like, that we, we weren't even to, thinking about a year ago that well, now all of a sudden seems ago, fucking man. important that maybe if we don't do it, we might not be prepared for something down yeah. there. Yeah. So that's what we're looking at doing. It all costs money. So we need to be, I mean, we're not even, we're, we're past 1%. We're looking more at two or 3% at this point. For what? Support. That's what we need. Yeah, and no, but we're not past 1% no, yet. No, Dar I Darren's just mean, saying we need to be past 1%. I'm past worrying about be getting to 1%. Yeah. We all of a sudden need to worry about getting to 3% to uh, to do that kind of stuff we want to do. Anyway, that's enough of, that's enough of that. We've, we've reminded you guys about the value enough. Do you want me to read an email? Or what do yeah, you, you can do? read an email. We got You know who we got a review from? Who? Eric Dubay. Oh, cool. The Flat Earth guy. Cool. Yeah. Well, here's a quick email, because um, we kind of got, you know, similar responses from Flat Earth and the vaccine debate, is people are just glad we're talking about it. 
even though it's very polarizing. So uh, we got a note here. I'm kind of a douchebag when it comes to donating, but I wanted to donate just to let you know it's okay to do flat earth episodes or anything else you want. I'm not a flat earther and I'm not anti-vaccines, but the thing I appreciate the most about your show is that you are open to exploring any ideas, which is something only you do that I'm aware of. So that was a, that was a review, actually, I think, or that was uh, maybe that was an email. No, that was sure. yeah, that was an email. I got another one here. This is a little longer, but it's a great email. Actually, I haven't even re- replied to Rob. If you don't get a reply, feel free to to email me again. But my email email is uh, graham at grahamerica dot com. Love to hear your stories and your feedback, your sightings, your of whatever strange phenomena. Uh, let's see here. This is from. Can I say his name? That's from Rob. And if you don't want your name said, say so at the beginning. Hi, Graham and Darren. Just a quick thought, actually, a bit long now upon sending this. I'm catching up with your recent episodes as I'm busy with work, so one after the other. The whole trepidation you had around the Flat Earth episode, mentioning that it was a bad guest and so on, (laughs) it made for a really interesting listen, kind of like a heated debate. (laughs) For this reason, I think it was more entertaining than others, which are fun chats, but everyone has agreed, so there's no drama. So good thing, and again, good to question everything. The thing I like about the debate is that ultimately I don't know with my own firsthand experience, so it's always fun to let go and imagine. I do tend to lean towards the ancient Vedic knowledge, which is more aligned with celestial bodies in an infinite universe, and perhaps Nassim Harriman's work. But still, the problem is that society has played a real number over the human mind, and it's difficult to see and think beyond its constraints. With the limitations of mind in mind, please bring me, this brings me on to the vaccine issue. Great to hear hear Dell's info, and again, an interesting debate with Gordo. So he's talking about the, um, when we we had Gordo on from the Conspiracy Guys in the Swabcast, there and him got into a bit of a friendly debate. It was good. I mean, that's what we should be able to do. I think Gordo's level of awareness of how deep the rabbit goes is limited by the world we all know and have grown up in over the last few decades. Without being open to the idea that everything or most we know to be true has effectively been controlled by the same voice through media, schools, culture, and that deception is hundreds of years in the making even absorbing concepts from the ancient world, turning divine information into pop culture. Just as it's hard to know for sure what lies beyond our atmosphere, it's equally as hard to know what has come before 150 years ago. Please check out the New Earth channel on YouTube and look into how history has been fabricated. And I'm not saying 100% on board, but Max Egan has been talking a lot about this. And info has come from work on the Russian mathematician Anatoly Fomenko. An old phrase I remember, though not never deeply considered in terms of what it means now, history was written by the victors. Think of all the colonization over the last few hundred years. What if it was a joint conquest by the same voice in our society today to remove all trace of the ancient world, our true ancestry? Peoples who are oppressed the most around the world seem to be those who are still connected with the ancient world and mind. The vaccine story and concept of herd immunity relies upon deeply upon our history, which may not be what it seems. This is why people like Gordo and doctors can safely believe this to be true and would never go as far as to question the construct of history itself in context to today's narratives because it might never occur to them that it's all part of the ongoing deception to keep the human spirit from realizing its full potential. The constant bombardment of low energy 
in society to keep the human spirit down is like pushing an inflatable ball underwater. It requires constant force, otherwise it'll spring back up out of the water. This could go to explaining the joint collaboration between news, Hollywood, school, history, and so on being controlled by the same voice. And more and more people asking now the same question against why we do have the problems and suffering in the world when it could be relieved instantly. Rudolf Steiner is a great philosopher active mostly in the 1920s and has led to a thriving alternative schooling system around the world today, the Waldorf schools. He has some great quotes about how the powers that will be eventually find a way of mandating an injection slash vaccine to separate the people from ever finding their spirituality and that it could be considered abnormal or even considered anything beyond the meat and bones body. There you have it. The time will come. And it may not be far off when, this is, I think, the quote from Rudolph. And it may not be far off when quite different tendencies will come up at a Congress like the one held in 1912, and people will say it's pathological for people to even think in terms of spirit and soul. Sound people will speak of nothing but the body. It will be considered a sign of illness for anyone to arrive at the idea of any such thing as a spirit or soul. People who think like that will be considered to be sick, and you can be quite sure of it, a medicine will be found for this. At Constantinople, the spirit was made non-existent. The soul will be made non-existent with the aid of a drug. That's interesting, eh? Because, I mean, what is it? What are these drugs and fluoride in the water not doing to Mm -hmm. our awareness of that? Taking a sound point of view, people will invent a vaccine to influence the organism as early as possible, preferably as soon as it's born, so that this human body will never even get the idea that there's a soul and a spirit. And he sent me a couple uh, links to Rudolph's quotes and some YouTube videos. Anyways, yeah, thanks, Rob. It's interesting to think about that. There you have it. The history and all the... Hey, did we ever read the one-star review? Oh, I have that ready. I have it here. Okay. From from our buddy Adam Heat. Are you sure you're not too drowsy to Adam read it? Adam Hilton, <laughs> essentially one star. Two drowsy Canadians begging for money and reviews in between half-baked vaccine theories. Listen and tell me I'm wrong. Minus the F-bombs, great content. Four stars. If Darren's swearing was removed or bleeped, I'd rate this podcast five out of five. Wow. I'm trying to roll it back. Oh, you're doing a good job, yep. Yep. Lots of... Interesting and fun topics. Five stars. As for Adam Hilton's review request, (laughs) you're absolutely wrong. They're totally baked. Graham's not. Besides, I find it... I'm not, but I still sound like it because of this Canadian accent. I find it better to investigate and wonder about interesting, fun, and some important matters like vaccines than to simply accept brainwashed slavery to big pharma and the like. However, Adam, on the bright side, I have a feeling David Weiss has saved you a stake at his idiot camp. Cheers. Wow. I didn't, I didn't read that first. I don't think you're supposed to read the five stars. It seems a little bit. Asking you shall receive one star. You're welcome. Hope you get a, that number up to 2%. Did we ask for one star reviews? No. That was another one star? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's a good thing we got all those five stars even out. We don't have to read the reviews. No, I'm not like going to read a, any more bit, reviews. It's a bit weird. It's nice to read the one stars in this and the... And the, uh, what's it called? 269 reviews and 577 ratings. 500% monthly growth. Nice. 
So that means you guys are listening and reviewing the show like I asked you to this month. So yeah, thank great. you. Thank now you support. Yeah. And uh, also subscribing on YouTube would probably we help. We love you, too, motherfuckers. Right? We're not right? bitching and complaining. We're, right? we're, bit, we're complaining you can't to the even people. Say that, the M, you just oh, said the word again. Like, damn it. We love you guys. That's better. Guys, guys is soon even going to be a swear word. And gals. And that too. Just people. You got to only say people's the only word you can use eventually. People kind? People, we love people kind. People. We love people. Even though human <laughs> has man in it. Oh boy. So does woman and man. You people. Wool people. I got a I got a good quote here. You wanna you wanna guess who this is? Sure. This is from uh, The Octopus of Global Control, one of my favorite uh, books that have accumulated a million quotes from the elite, the people running the show. So in his memoirs, I'll leave the name out because I want to see if you can name it. Nineteen seventy one. Huge anti-war demonstration surrounding the White House, and Nixon has put empty buses, city buses, end-to-end as a kind of barricade. And he's standing at the window, wringing his hands, going, Henry, they're going to break through the barricades and get us. Kissinger? Yeah. (laughs) They never ever got through the barricades. Kissinger's still helping out that foreign policy. I like how you started highlighting them so you don't read the same quotes over and over again. I wonder which quote got read the most in the first 350 episodes. One. I only... They're all just one time. No chance. Yep. Zero chance. Those were the good good old days of the UFO quote. It's only been gone like two weeks. See, maybe it's been longer. I don't miss it. But I'm sure there's a ton of people that do. Okay, what else do we have to talk about? Uh, hmm. I think that's about it, eh? Ready to let this Let's see, we go, might as well or? keep it short. Yeah, yeah, we pumped out a bunch of fucking content here over the last couple of weeks. Really, so we'll really keep appreciate this intro support. short. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Share the show, review the show, support the show. Send in some emails. You can even read the text number. There's a number you can text or leave text voicemail. Text in the line or leave a voicemail at 403 702 6083. Spam Graham, sign up for the newsletter. There's a P.O. box for gifts and stuff. Review the show. Send us some weed. What else? Be kind to each other. Most of all, enjoy this. Love one another. Love one another. Do do the quiz. Do the quiz. Listen to everything Lori has to say in this podcast because this shit is important. Yeah. Most of you guys are probably in relationships and gals. So this is important stuff. We spend a lot of time in the weeds worrying about conspiracies and everything else and we tend to neglect this yeah so this week we're going to pay attention to this and neglect the other stuff even though notre dame is burning and the Mueller report's coming (laughs) out and there's an election tomorrow in alberta and it looks like the socialists are going to get voted out but all that aside this shit's more important listen
All right, this is a little bit of a different episode tonight. We've got Lori Watson with us, who's the host of Foreplay Radio Sex Therapist. I think I said that wrong. Therapy. <laughs> She's a certified sex therapist and li- licensed marriage counselor. So uh, Darren and I are going to get some help here in, in uh, topics that we don't usually talk about on the show. Thanks for joining us, Lori. You're welcome. This is going to be fun. Yeah, it'll kind of be like a lesson for us. Both of us are in, uh, well, I'm married, and Graham's in a... Long-term relationship. Long-term relationship. Okay. And, uh, okay. How well, long have you been married? I've been married, uh, it will be seven years this year that I'll be married. Uh-huh. But we went together nine years. Uh-huh. And how about you, Graham? Oh, we had our fifth year uh, anniversary two days ago. Oh, okay. really? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay, well, I am here to answer questions and talk about sex. And, you know, I suppose I think the scariest stat, I'll start with the scary stuff. Sure. Is within two years of marriage or committed partnership, 30% of all couples are sexless or in low sex relationships. 30%. Wow. And we consider sexless to be <clears throat> less than 12 times a year. Right. Less than once a month Jeez. or, or 12 a year. Because you could have little spurts where you, you do it a few times and you take six months off. So Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that's a scary stat. That is a scary stat. That, well, that gives me a little hope. Yep. Yeah, you're Darren, Darren's um, already not in the thirty yeah, percent. Yeah, so. I'm ahead of that curve. <laughs> those odds, huh? So that's that's <laughs> a good start. And so that, I, and you know, this is before children and before any kind of aging happens or menopause or anything. This is, I th- I think it's all about a dynamic, a relationship dynamic that happens in coupleships. Do you think that's a modern problem, or do you think that's something that's like when do you think that's started? Like, do you think so, like all these problems are a modern day thing, or do you think like people a thousand years ago were what were sex lives like then, or was there these weird sort of like, I mean, because the other thing I want to get into a bit later is just the relationship uh, side of things, which is which yeah. which is goes across just intimate relationships, right? I mean, relationships are tough with everybody all the right, time, right? Exactly. Yeah, even Every the best ones. So I I think this is an eternal dynamic. And it's, you know, maybe not 10,000 years ago, but certainly a thousand years ago. And, and that's that people have two primary needs. They need to have autonomy to direct themselves, to kind of be captain of their ship and make have respect for their own decisions. But they also need love, closeness, sex and intimacy. So it's this it's this tension that we all feel between space, our need for space, and our need for closeness. I mean, when you think about it, right, when you're podcasting, you're not home with your family. When you're working, you're not home with your loved one. You're not on a date. Um, But when you're with your family or your partner, um, you're not working, you know, supposedly, right? I mean, I think the modern issue is we're still working on our phones. Yeah, yeah. So it's a problem. Yeah. But um, I, I think that we personally make decisions about which one is more important when, right? Yeah. So what, 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 uh, what happens at the two year mark then for that kind of thing? Like, why does that start to 
change then? I mean, obviously it's apparent. Change sex. Or, or yeah, but why, why at that time frame? I wonder? Yeah. So, so what happens is that by year two, some of our facade wears off and it turns out that one of us will kind of corner the market on one of those needs and the other will corner the market on the other. So oh. one person becomes what I call the pursuer, the chaser, and the other person is the distancer, the person who's avoidant. And yeah. the pursuer says, you know, I want more time. I want to talk more. I want more sex, perhaps. I want more closeness. And that to the distancing partner feels suffocating. It's like, ooh, I, I just need my own thing. I need my buddies. I need my hobbies. I need space. I need to, you know, go off. I need to work. I need to do anything but be in relationship with you because suddenly at about year two, all the facades drop and it, it this new element comes into play when we're married or we're joined in partnership it's already suffocating, right? Before we had separate places, separate money, separate everything. But when we're living together, suddenly same space. Sometimes we share money. Sometimes we share children. Um, we're sharing life goals. That's already difficult. And then you add this dynamic in and one person says, you know, you don't give me enough. And the other person says, you don't give me a chance to give you anything. No matter what I do, it's not enough for you anyway. They back up further, which pulls the chaser toward them. And the chaser keeps saying, you know, my needs are not getting met. And the distancer says, you're trying to control me. And this dynamic splits couples apart and sex is strangled in that power struggle. Yeah, that makes total sense. So do you think that the the 30, the, the, the 70%, Mm -hmm. Or let's even let's even say that like there's probably a small percentage, like around twenty or thirty, that are nowhere near that. Like they're healthy in in many ways. Yeah. So is there a common commonality between them? Like are they the same? They're neither of them are chaser or pursuers. Or is there a level of trust and honesty that's in, not in the other relationships? Or yes, absolutely. And and it actually we we come unfortunately a bit predestined um, to how we're going to behave, and that. That comes from our childhood. And if we come from a childhood where we're secure, where our parents set decent boundaries, but they give us, you know, enough room to grow roots and wings. Right. And they and they give us a sense that we're loved. There's affection. There's some stable economy and financial stability. Most of those kids come out of that with without this need to overprotect themselves or they're not too needy. And it turns out that most of the population does come from that kind of childhood, um, that they come from secure childhoods. And so they meet, marry other securely attached people, and they have this potential for a great deal more happy happiness, whereas other people have come out of childhood without that. So let, on either end, um, I call them crying babies babies. And crying babies... You know, they don't give a damn, right? You know, who's who comes to help them just so long as somebody comes. And so when they're wet, tired, hungry, they start bawling and wailing. And, you know, somebody finally comes and picks them up. You know, the, the avoidant, the good baby says, 
I don't like angry face. I will do anything to avoid angry face above my crib. So I will suffer wet, tired, hungry, so long as angry face doesn't come. And so they gurgle and coo and try to attract attention in that way. And then the parent maybe, you know, comes and gives them attention. And the weirdest thing is, is that crying babies grow up to be insecurely attached adults who are pursuers. Good babies have this sensitivity. They become avoidant. And oftentimes avoidant people, they they don't have their needs met hardly at all in childhood. This is the, the child who didn't get enough affection. And so they, they take this vow, this like inner vow that says, I'm just not going to need anymore uh, because it's so painful to me that my mother, my father, or my mother type, my father type person did not stroke me, hold me, cuddle me, that I just, I'm not going to need that. And then they grow up and in this adult romantic sexual relationship where there's plenty available to them, but they're like, nah, I don't need that. I, I don't want that. And that comes to bear at about year two, because during the courtship and, you know, the dating years, we're all, you know, essentially putting our best foot forward. And that desire to catch and connect is so strong that we really do act differently than we do once we're settled in. And then, unfortunately, all the problems come to play in the relationship. Yeah, once the honeymoon phase is over, really. Right, do you, right. Do you call it the honeymoon phase still? So, no, I, I wouldn't say so. It, it's, And I, I don't think that sexual desire actually dies, that, you know, we get bored. It's that we kill it because to stay within that, um, to stay with sexual desire is so vulnerable. You know, like, oh, my God, you know, you, we say to our partner, I don't I don't know what you guys say and don't say here, but, you know, like, we touch say whatever me, you want. Yeah. OK, you know, I, I want you to, you know, make me feel good and, and all this. And it that's so vulnerable. Yeah. So we retreat from that kind of vulnerability and that helps sex die or we get frenetic. Oh, my God, it's not going to be there. So. So the person doesn't actually operate from horny or from desire. They operate from a feeling that there won't be enough. Mm. And so they keep asking and asking and asking. And that, that pollutes the process that is natural, you know, of both people feeling desire for each other. And it becomes overburdened by the ask. And how much does the actual just like interrelational trouble of trying to you know, maintain that relationship and keep resentment out and, you know, everything else that sort of piles up over those, those couple of years. Yeah. I, I mean, the good news is, at, you know, these early years, if you get help early, you save yourself a myriad of problems later on because they're, you know, small problems take a small amount of work to resolve. If you let it build up, you know, then we have a train wreck later on. But I mean, relationship is really difficult, right? There's all kinds of things we don't necessarily know instinctually. If we didn't come from a childhood where it was where intimacy and romance was modeled, or we we came from a childhood where nobody talked about anything, you know, or um, you know, maybe we came from something worse, right? Like alcoholism, 
um, abuse, anger, rage, economic insecurity. I mean, all of those things impact the way what we know about intimacy. That's our blueprint. And it's very, very hard to escape your blueprint without being conscious. So so is that the main part of your your work with couples then that they go through this is that making sure that they're aware that all this uh, in their past might have uh, created problems in now in the future. And then you can start sort of reprogramming or uh, rewiring the brain and, and sort of get out of those uh, unhealthy reflexes in a way. Yeah, exactly. And I, I particularly in my therapy work with something called attachment theory, which is the most well-researched scientific theory about how um, how humans connect and then how romantic couples connect and stay connected. And in the podcast, which is Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy, we we teach about this as well as we have a ton of fun. You know, we, we talk about orgasms and we talk about positions and we, we just have fun with some practical sexual tips. But also, you know, our main goal is to help people learn how to solve their sexual problems by themselves, by understanding there's a framework. And once you can see yourself in that framework, you can solve your own problems. You can know, okay, I'm a pursuer. What should I do? You know, I'm a, I'm a distancer. How do I fix that so that this dynamic that I've helped create, co-create with my partner doesn't keep us apart? I mean, couples fall into a toxic cycle and that has a life of its own. It's not even their own fault at that point. They just are stuck. And, and we are trying to help them see their way out by learning a couple things. I mean, in therapy, of course, the first thing I want to point out to people is who are you? You know, which, which side do you dominantly stay on? Are you the pursuer, the distancer? In heterosexual couples, often the, the female is the emotional pursuer, right? She wants closeness, talking, family time. And he's like, look at, look at, I got an, I got an earn a living. I got to, I got to build my kingdom. I, I, you know, quit. You know, I I don't know how to talk feelings. You know, I don't know how to make you happy like that. But he's often driven because of his hormonal input of testosterone to be the sexual pursuer. He pursues sexually. And that's often how men really feel love is that, you know, the body is their playground. They, they feel deep connection. They are biologically programmed to feel sex as an emotion as well. And I think women don't understand this sometimes. Women, all oh, you want is sex. But that's not all he wants. He often wants deep connection with his yeah. partner. Yeah. It's not yeah. enough to, you know, have a hole or not enough to, you know... Um, just do it that I mean sometimes it might be enough if that's all you get but most of the time it's like he really needs that to feel secure it's like he wants to come home and that's how he feels home base the most but you know for whatever reason then she's the sexual distancer she's not as interested in bed so they're at cross purposes yeah I I feel the love the most with, uh, from support, you know, like, like you were mentioning, like we're here doing the podcast and all that. I mean, we all have other, you know, family things and, and, uh, 
one thing that's great about our relationship now is that um, Maria, my girlfriend, she's she's supportive of everything I do. Like I've never had never had that in a relationship before. Or if it's been there, it's been sort of fake. Like they'll say, yeah, go ahead and go out and do your thing. But then they resent you afterwards or they'll hold it right. against you later. And and she's very supportive, like, you know, across the board, which that's where I feel like I feel love. But it's funny you mentioned talking and feelings and stuff because, like, I try and be present with her. I feel like that's important. Like when I'm with her, like, Empathy's try and be present sometimes, right? and listening. But she says I don't talk in, like a lot. Like I don't talk about and I'm. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm talking all day at work and at, at, through the show. But, and I guess for her, I, she feels like I don't say as much as I. And it's hard because you got to try and do should, it without but I'm, I'm trying solving. to ask her stuff, right? So I don't, I'm trying not to talk about myself, but maybe that's what she, she wants me to talk about myself more. So it's a weird thing. Like I thought I was being more tentative by not talking, you know, but then she, she feels like I'm not, I'm not sharing. I've been trying to figure out the, um, you know, it's too bad he's dead because it would have been great to get on the show with Marshall Rosenberg stuff. But even after reading the books and going through the videos and stuff like that, it's still to use it in, in a practical in practical way, especially especially when you really need it, which is when things are getting heated. What, what is that stuff? Though? It's like compassionate communication oh, yeah, type okay. stuff, yeah. but it's like trying to use that empathy, right? Using your words to dig out more feelings is kind of the, the trick to it. But I mean, I know it's, it's like... It's fucking tough. <laughs> it is. It really is. And and in some ways, it seems like Graham, you're you're giving so much in your work. You know, you're you're using all your words up essentially, and and maybe not necessarily um, saving something to share when you come home. Like a, a lot of people, and and this is. Not only are men sometimes uh, emotional distancing or just out of words. I have a girlfriend who says, you know, I live my day. I, I don't really want to come home and talk about it again. That's like living it all over, you know. And but the reality is, it sounds like your partner is saying, I, I want to know you. Yeah, I, I want yeah. to know what excites you. I, I want to understand your day because you are so important to me. I, I want to get inside your head and. Um, it, this is tough for us. I, are there modern problems? Yes. There are modern problems. I think that make it better. Um, you know, right. Who could beat sexting, you know, but there are modern problems that make it worse, which is the invasion of our work life into our personal lives. And, um, the, the ever present call of every electronic, you know, where, where we, it's squeezing out our one-on-one -on -one time with our families and loved ones. But, um, you know, what I would say to you is try to find in, you know, some savory piece, some juicy piece to come home and tell her about. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know? a good idea. Yeah. You know what a good trick is, is started doing, and you know what, I can't remember what book it was. It might've been Stan Patton, you know, whatever his name is, but the trick was to like make her your go-to. You know, when you get some good news or something like that, you know, try and make it so that like that was just a little trick to get you started is whenever you get something and you want to tell someone right away, tell, tell oh, your, that's tell a great, your significant that's a, other first and, and make her that person all the time. Yeah. And cause that comes up sometimes where I think she feels she's like, like she's the, the last person one to know what's going on. It's already on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Your Twitter base knows before she does. Well, yeah, in Darren's case, I'm not on Twitter, but yeah, in Darren's case, it'd be well, you're on Twitter more than you think. What? I take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> he puts you there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, how about you, um, Darren? Which, which, you know, do, do you identify with one style or the other? By the way. Your listeners, if they want, they can go to my website, which is um, oh, Awaken. What? Oh my gosh, what am I? Um, I had you up oh, here too. Let me. I can find. It'll it. be in the show notes for sure. Um, you know, I, I have a fun radio call name, and of course now I can't remember it, but it's awakeningscenter.org. Uh, Awakenings with an S center.org, or just Google Lori Watson, and you'll find me. But there's, it's the love and sex quiz. And what this does is it identifies your style, both your sexual style uh, and your emotional style to see if you're an emotional pursuer, distancer, sexual pursuer, distancer. And then it gives you kind of your next steps. Okay. If you're this pattern, how do you start to solve that toxic cycle so that the two of you can actually become more intimate? Um, and it gives you kind of like, ah, this is what you need to do. You know, if you're an emotional pursuer, you definitely need to stop the criticism. You know, you need to to tone it down and and contain your own anxiety. And if you're an emotional distancer, if you fall on that spectrum, and, and we're all somewhere in the spectrum, even if we're secure, we still kind of take one end or the other. Um, so you can, you know, Graham, you can be... Um, an emotional distancer, but still be securely attached. You're just kind of, you tend toward one direction, you know, but the distancing side needs to learn to feed, nurture and initiate, you know, and, and same thing works with sex, right? If you're a sexual pursuer, you need to stop the criticism. It's like, don't get out of bed and say, you know, well, that was good, but how could it be better? It's like that actually pressures the encounter. What you need to say is that was good, period. You know, that was great, yeah. period. Yeah. Don't, 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 you know, when can we do it again? Or, you know, how do we make it better? It's just like, just stop. Just stop with that. That was great. Well, I mean, uh, that comes back to just like something we come back to the show time and time again is like being present and mindful and all that right i mean it doesn't even have to be sex it's like something as as simple as going on a vacation to the wherever and you know you spend the whole time staring at your phone and taking selfies and and exactly. forget to look at look at everything i'll have to try those quizzes i would guess that i probably fall into the the generic stereotypes uh-huh yeah. um I've done the other ones like we just did, we just did uh one of those like intensive weekends in the mountains where we did, but we did, it was, one was the love languages. Yeah, I, was oh, gonna, nice. I was gonna ask you about that too. Yeah, I did the, the five, love languages. I did the five lung, love languages one, and then we did the other one was like the... That's Gary Chapman, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the, so the, the other one that went along with the love languages was, which one's the love languages? That's one was, because I was like words five, of affirmation. The five, right? yeah. Yeah, so tied, mine was like tied, words, of words of affirmation was like 15 compared to the next one. So, and then there was another one though, that was like sensual, sexual and shapeshifter and all that sort of stuff. I think I was, oh, a, yeah. I was a sensual, yeah. right. but I'll try those. I mean, I'll print those quizzes out and uh, we'll try those ones as well. I think Maria and I did the love languages a few years back just for the hell of it. It wasn't like to, 
improving is just she i think she found the book and i was like oh yeah i've already tried that like i had tried it with my past relationship and we were opposite oh, you never say that oh she no <laughs> she's pretty good she wants me to be honest about that she, that's that's one things i can talk about my past stuff without her getting all irritated which is cool but we that's did it cool. and we were i think our top three were all the same we we're very very close on the top three so uh-huh. that was pretty it, it kind of made sense to me because it seemed to be the way we are with each other mm-hmm. so it probably gives you more understanding because yeah Kind of share those love languages yeah it's just like another yeah. little tool it just seems like you need a thousand of those little tools to really take a good run at it especially because i mean the other thing is it seems like expectation is probably a little different than it was even 20 30 40 years ago like i mean we, that is true that, that is really true darren cute quote that's like real or happiness is reality minus expectation and i feel like <laughs> You know, in the age of, well, this is just it. You got Disney and you got movies and you got everything else. And now you've got a complete lack of any real, like, you know, who's talking. I mean, maybe it still happens. Maybe we're, we're the exception to the rule, but I don't think so. There's not as much like wisdom being passed down from generationally. I don't think you guys did a show on that. Didn't you recently? I I listened to your one on expectation. It was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, and I, I love that quote. That, that is awesome. I, I think that one of the things that has changed maybe by two generations um, that I've noticed is, first of all, that the huge expectation of marrying a super attractive person, you know, or being with a super attractive person. It's almost like many things have funneled into who's the most attractive person I can be with, regardless of the variety of other characteristics that would make me happy. And then secondly, this idea that marriage should be uh, best friend, hottest lover, you know, hardest worker, exceptional in every area. You know, whereas I think two generations ago, my grandparents, um, you know, some of who immigrated here, you know, they were looking for somebody who had a sense of humor, who would work hard, you know, who was fun to be with, you know, who was relatively attractive compared to all the other people in town, right? Not all the other people in the world, but all the other people in town that they felt attracted to. And I mean, that that's such a different kind of expectation. I mean, my grandmother did not have glossy magazines to look at ever. She had never seen a movie I mean, I'm two generations away from somebody who didn't have this inordinate pressure to be the most beautiful person in the world. I I think men and women these days suffer terrible pressure, you know, to be uber attractive. And and then just think about how that impacts their sex life. You know, I'm not good enough. I, I would say there's some central themes that really mute sexual desire certainly especially for women but it's growing for men and that's i'm i'm not attractive enough that's a, that's a mega problem for women uh you know they're just always self-evaluating and that down regulates their experience of arousal you know not attractive enough that's the big one and i think don't you think guys that there's more pressure for men too to be uber fit to be in shape than there was maybe two gener- your father or your grandfather's generation. Well, not only that, I think 
more more than that, I think it's the materialism that's crept in. It's not that you have to look good and be in the best shape. I think more important, it's like you, you better have a smartphone and a decent yeah. decent vehicle. And, you know, if you want to go out for dinner or do anything besides just scrape by these days, I mean, you know, that everything's... Everything seems to be, and I mean, that, I mean, I think maybe every generation says they've got it the worst, but you know, it does seem like everyone's sort of in paycheck to paycheck mode these days. And it's like, but that being said, everyone's also got the newest phone and the newest computer and the newest gadget. And, you know, they're doing a hell of a job of marketing huge us. Student huge student loans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not helping either. Right. They tricked everyone yeah. into student loans and, so there's the financial pressure, but I think more than anything, it's just the 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 stuff with guys. I think that's where you know, cars, gadgets. Well, you, I mean, well, then you hear these studies where the the women have been uh, studied their attractiveness towards men, and they're most attracted to men in in firefighter outfits and in Lamb like Lamborghinis. Like you can study that that there's this huge attraction if you have a Lamborghini or if you're in like a firefighter outfit. So I mean, right. well, it's. It's, it's you guys are guys are striving for it because it really does attract women, apparently. Uh -huh. You know, well, it's like yeah. hacking into those like weird little um, survival primal fucking or... things we have, right? Like you know, you could see why a woman would want to have a guy that, especially in the past when it's a different world, right? When there's a protection element to it, and there's a food, and mm -hmm. I'm a pregnant, and I need to eat element to it. So the guy that's got mm -hmm. a hut with some chow. And a couple of cows is looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And that creeps in today into Lambos and firefighter outfits, yeah. I guess. I could at least yeah. get a firefighter outfit. That you could do. Yeah. Try that. They're on cheap after Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think you're right that there are a lot, there are pressures and certainly uh, gender, you know, has a, has a difference. I, I hear lots of young men, you know, feeling that pressure of, well, you know, I, I don't earn enough. So I'm not, a, I'm not in the pool, you know, and, and women who say, you know, all they want is my good looks and I'm not as pretty as the next girl who you can swipe right on or swipe, swipe left on. You know, it, it's like somebody said to me, a woman who would be the belle of the ball at a cocktail party is bypassed by, you know, 30, 30 other women on an app, you know, because she's not, there's always something better. And, and I think that, you know, I have three sons and I think that you're right in terms of the pressure that they feel to, you know, earn a lot of money to be attractive. It's not just for their own financial security, but it's, it's to feel attractive. Or the richest couple on the planet just divorced. So. There we go. Yeah. But that doesn't seem to do it, right? I mean, you have all these rich people telling you over and over again that they're just as miserable as everyone well, else. But it's just sometimes more so. Or you know, the you know, the suicide rate among celebrities is higher probably, if anything, compared to, to regular folks. So it's like, you know, you have all those things telling you, but it's just not enough to beat it into your head that it's like money ain't gonna fix your shit. Do That's you think right. do you think it's getting better? Because I mean Maybe it's just because I'm at that place in my life, but I do notice because um, we've got another podcast we do called 13 Questions that's kind of aimed at personal growth for men. 
And uh-huh. I, I mean, we kind of started that going into something, figuring it wouldn't be a huge market, to be honest. Like, and uh, we kind of actually backed into it and found that there was all of a sudden a giant market for, you know, no one was really talking about it, but as soon as you right. brought it up, everyone was direct messaging you, you know, yeah. how do I get in? How do I get in? You know, what are you talking about? And I mean, I noticed that right away when I started just sharing some some books I was reading and stuff like that when I was having some relationship troubles. And uh, that turned into a little book community, which is now spiraled into an online community and a podcast. And, and I, I'm continually surprised by the amount of um, just people open to improving, people or? open to improving and specifically men even talking about feelings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people, I think wanting to understand um, how they get secure outside of these other issues, right? The, the, the cultural pressures that say you should have, you know, they, they want to know how they are, how they can be, how do I just be who I am and still feel secure? You know, like that is the dream. And, and I would say that this security is actually possible that we call it you know, hard won security, because if you don't come out of a childhood where you feel that, uh, and lots of us don't, um, there's a way to get that. And some of it is, um, you know, doing some of the processing. Okay, this is where I came from. We, what we process, um, you know, what we don't process is kind of like the iceberg. You know, we, we know a few of our problems are the tips of the iceberg, but if we don't know what's underneath that and why we feel those things, then then our relationships are in jeopardy. Ourselves are in jeopardy. We become frenetic, right? It's, I got to have, I got to have, I got to have in order to feel secure. And like you've just noted, rich people don't necessarily feel secure. It's not about that. You know, it's how do I be and feel secure in myself and develop the relationship that helps me feel secure and attached in this, in this world so that we're in it together. Uh, and that is something that is difficult, but I think, I think the good news is it's entirely possible. You know, and I, I guess in my work, um, while much of my therapy and certainly my podcast focuses around sex therapy, you know, by and large, I'm dealing with people, um, both individually and with couples who want to feel secure in the world. You know, I, I want to feel like I belong and that somebody cares about me for who I am, not what I look like and not what I have, yeah. who, who I am at the deepest core. Yeah. yeah, which is, you know, it's funny because I used to think that like the, the crazy divorce rates, I don't know what they are, 50%, whatever they are these days. But I used to think, you know, that's part of the disposable culture. And I don't think it is anymore. I don't think these people really want to get divorced. I think it's just that, you know, it's that lack of connection. You see, like, it's coming out that addiction is, you know, a lack of connection. Uh, it's looking like obesity might be a lack of connection. Like, all these different things are a lack of connection. And that's what I think, you know, the the divorce rate is is kind of a, like a warning signal that your most intimate relationships are falling apart. And once those start falling apart completely, it's just going to be a cascading effect because 
I mean, where's where's the parent to child relationship at? Or and right. you know, like because I, I I don't know. I'm stuck thinking that if you can't if you can't figure out that one, what you know? Do, do you think that works the opposite, or is it easier just to not have intimate relationships because you don't? You know, it's it's a double edged sword in a lot of ways. Well, it's a solution, right? I mean, some people think if I just don't need an intimate relationship, then I'm protecting myself from ever getting hurt. There's only one problem with that is that you live hurt. You know, your entire life is emptier and lonelier. And yes, we, you know, we risk a lot when we love somebody. In fact, when we love somebody, we risk everything because Every love relationship ends badly. Every single one, you know, they could love someone else. They could stop loving us or they'll die. You know, eventually love ends and we face terrible loss. And so the more we love, the more we depend on somebody, the worse the ending is, right? The long marriage where we really get deeply connected has a terrible ending. You know, because one partner often dies first. And so it's like we we have to be willing to get vulnerable in order to have the treasures that life does offer, which to me, the, the deepest treasure is deep commitment and trust and connection with somebody who cares about me. I think sex is a form of that connection. You know, it's a primitive, exhilarating form of this deep attachment. And not that you can't have sex in other ways. Certainly people do have sex in unconnected ways, mechanical ways, wooden ways, terrible ways. But I think within a relationship that is um, secure, it's it's kind of the, um, you know, the, the very deepest form, the animal part of us perhaps, that we connect there as well as by our souls and our emotions. I wonder how that, um, I wonder how that evolved, I guess. Like, do you, hmm, what's, what's your view on, on how, on how our current, and I mean, let's just go with monogamy. Cause I, I think that's probably the most prevalent one in, in society. Sure. How do you think like, do you think that because I mean I'm I'm a monogamist I I do I I I mean I don't have enough I shouldn't argue for anything I'm not smart enough but I mean that's I, it makes sense to me it makes sense especially the older I get I can see that um just being monogamous is better for a lot of things and, and sex being one of them you know where when you're younger you think maybe multiple partners all of the time is a better thing but then you're never going to get to that level two three four five with, with, right. with those people. And, um, and I don't know, I just feel like humans are sort of meant to have that. So what's, what's your view on, on, on how we sort of evolved here? Do you think it's sort of ingrained in us to be monogamous or do you think it's more, we came from like the, you know, the alpha male with the harem of women around them fighting to, for another yeah. harem and things like that? Or what's your, well, take I, on that. I think that so this is really straight from attachment theory is that, you know, when a baby is born, 
Uh, it's a two-party system. The mother is engaged with the child, and the child is very engaged with the mother and engaging, you know, ooing and eyeing and gurgling and trying to attack, attract her attention because her the baby's survival depends upon this attachment with its mother or its, you know, father. Uh, but in the beginning, often, it is mother who is more central to the baby. The baby doesn't really distinguish her as other or as separate from itself. It's it's one in the same. And there's this very symbiotic kind of experience that the child has. In some ways, it's this bubble of all of my needs are taken care of by this thing, this it, this other, this person. And, you know, it feels like paradise, right? I I, I cry and I'm taken care of. And so I think that monogamy is essentially a desire to recreate that symbiosis, like somebody who, right, the fantasy, this is the fantasy and the heartbreak that knows my needs without being asked, you know, just like it happened when I was an infant. And I don't mean to infantilize our relationships, but I think there's something, this longing to be the baby doesn't know that mother has other children and other relationships and a, you know, maybe a partner. The baby doesn't know that the baby thinks it's the center of the mother's world. And so in monogamy, it's like this desire. I want to be the apple of somebody's eye, the center of their world. They're one and only, I want to be the unique again. And that often it comes along with sexual fidelity um, you know, as an expression of how we experience that, you know, in our bodies. So I, I think that it's, it's that I believe that's how monogamy sort of came about is this desire. And, you know, I don't know about the caveman stuff. Um, uh, I wasn't there, but I, I think that, um, you know, I hear a lot of arguments about this you know, well, you know, men want to sow their seed and women need to trap men to, you know, help them raise the children. But I've often thought about this. It's like, if you were a cave woman, would you not sleep with every man you possibly could? Because that's how you get their support. And, you know, like, why would you be monogamous if you were female as a cave woman? You know, why not spread it around because now other men are attracted to you and, and wanting to help you. But I, I also think that the strength differential in our biology probably has something to play, you know, the territorialism. But I think today, and I know that people choose other things, right? I'm, I'm not here to sell anybody on monogamy that doesn't want that. Um, people make other choices and polyamory and stuff. It's, um, they're trying to solve a problem. And I think that sometimes those create other problems that they're not, um, that also, you know, they now have to solve. But monogamy has its difficulties, um, certainly to keep sex alive and exciting and have a stable relationship is quite a trick. It's a difficulty, you know, and it requires so much attention and work and and people, especially about the sex life, believe, well, that just should happen naturally. I, I shouldn't have to work at this so much. You know, I, it used to be so natural. And, and why why do we have to work at this? Maybe we're not compatible because we have to work at this. And I don't think that's true. I think it's it's worthy 
um, of work. And it does take a lot of thoughtfulness and work in order to have it be exciting and life-giving, you know, for the rest of our lives with someone. That's interesting because you, you hear people talk about how, you know, back in the day, people just were stuck with it or, you know, the patriarchy or whatever, you know, it was just, they were stuck with it. They didn't have divorce wasn't an option. What's, you know, I'm going to go back to materialism. They also didn't have a TV and a cell phone and, you know, watching swimsuit editions or, you know what they right. did at night? They probably put the kids to bed and sat down and talked for an hour and a half and yeah. then did the same thing when they woke up in the morning. So all of a sudden it was like, it's like that connection that, you're talking about struggling with there was nothing else to do you know what else are you going to do when you got home from hunting or plowing the field or doing whatever you haven't you know you haven't spent the day arguing over the price of steel or getting inundated with hits on your cell phone or or whatever you know what i mean you just kind of you spent that there was no i mean just getting rid of the television can do oh, wonders yeah. for your relationship. And I mean, I can't go as far as a cell phone, but I'd imagine like if you could go to the point where you didn't have a smartphone maybe again and just kind of eke back towards that, because I mean, it might have more to do with that than lack of options. It might've just been lack of distractions. Mm -hmm. I, I think there was a difference. Uh, absolutely. When people, you know, talked until the candles burned down, right? And they had to go to bed because you don't want to burn two candles in one night. You know, you just... Now, now it's time for bed. I, I, I think that one of the things that was markedly different was the alternatives. Uh, like you said, there, there wasn't television. There wasn't as much comparison, you know. And I, I think that one of the ways we protect ourselves is we dilute our desire by imagining the other possibility. Well, you know, I, I'm in touch with hundreds and thousands of images of people who are more attractive than my partner. And I can imagine that um, they would really understand me and they would be hotter in bed. And, and that kind of refocus like with pornography and, um, and, and not just pornography, but Facebook and, you know, everything that says there's something better over here. We, we dilute and refocus on this, this thing that isn't even real. And so then we don't invest in the depth that makes our partner exciting again. You know, we don't, we don't attune to them. And, and I think that um, Gottman, he's a researcher, a marriage researcher, you probably know that and talk about him. But, um, you know, he says that desire is really about attunement. Like if you have lost desire for your partner, it's because you have not paid attention. Yeah. You know, it, it's not about them not being sexy enough or paying you attention. It's that you have lost your focus. And that's why, you know, you've gotten bored. Boredom is in the person. It's not in the other. Yeah. You know, I'm bored because I haven't focused myself on my partner. I was going to ask you a bit more about the porn aspect because I, I didn't make it all the way through your episode where you guys talked about that. Uh -huh. Um, but I got the sense that you were going to talk about some pros and some cons for that in, in relationships or, um, because sure. I mean, it does seem to be that there's that, the same negative aspect, like the magazine, like the, the, the comparison to like a shiny magazine, um, and, and all the social media uh, and the porn, right. it kind of adds it all together. Um, 
But is there a, is there a positive aspect for couples in, on the, in that as well? Sure. I mean, porn is erotic, and and I think that um, for for people who need some erotic uh, impulse, you know, sure that that can be a big turn on, and especially if they can use it maybe to start the game. Uh, and then refocus onto their partner. I, I think the problem is um, it's hard to underestimate how seductive porn is uh, in terms of the image, uh, the ease of it, how false it is in terms of how people really make love. You know, I, I mean, it's this, my, the porn partner is always available and always wanting uh, doesn't have any needs of their own. And, you know, I know there's all kinds of porn out there these days, um, some really scary stuff and maybe some beautiful stuff. But um, I, I just think it's not realistic. There, there was an article, and I can't remember the author. I really apologize to this author, but it was in Psychology Today called 300 Vaginas Before Breakfast. You know, it talked about how people, men particularly, you know, they, when they use porn, it's not just using it to build uh, excitement and masturbate and have an orgasm. It's often to build such high levels of excitement. And then your brain manufactures dopamine. And, and then they climax after this enormous sort of burst of dopamine and excitement, which is... It cannot be matched in an ordinary lovemaking session by anybody, no matter who she is, how beautiful she is, how much we love her. It just cannot be matched. And so they condition themselves for something that is, you know, and then they are bored in their um, experience. There's some documentation about, you know, potential leading to ED you know, because of too much porn use. And I, I really think it's this dopamine issue that perhaps they um, they can't ejaculate or climax anymore because they're not, um, they don't have the same dopamine in the partner experience, but they do with porn. And so it, it's, I mean, it's, it's a really new influence. We won't probably know for another 30 years all of the pros and cons, but I, I, overall, I would say in couple relationships, it's fairly detrimental yeah. and I'm not a, it's not for a moral reason. I, I just think, you know, for, it, it's so easy to avoid partner sex because partner sex is so freaking complicated and it's such a negotiation. And I, what I see is men who, who say, I, I don't have any sexual desire. And I ask them, what do you mean? because they're still masturbating and watching porn. And they say, well, I, I just, I don't want to negotiate it. You know, sometimes she's not in the mood or she's not a very exciting partner or, and it's like, I'd just rather be autonomous. And this is a sexually avoidant male, right? A sexual distancer doesn't mean he doesn't have desire. It just means he's going to take it into his own hands. Literally. I, I don't, I don't want to deal with this. Right. I don't want to deal with this in a partnership. I got a question from the chats. From, yeah. From Willie Stubbs. Hi, Willie Stubbs. Actually, does he, he listens to your show already. He says it's great and a lot oh, of life-changing insight. Wow. 
And his question is, if you have any thoughts or insight on a new relationship and pursuing partners, sounds like Willie is on the prowl. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, I think one thing we often are looking for in a new relationship is, will this be a sexually exciting partner for the rest of my life? You know, if I'm looking for partnership, you know, that's one thing. And again, I think, you know, it's really hard to know. I, I remember when my boys were little, um, there was this, it was the, I'm going to date myself, but the Backstreet Boys, you know, if you want it to be good girl, get yourself a bad boy, right? And I asked my kids, what do you think they're talking about? And they're like, oh, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just singing it. And I said, well, they're talking about that if a girl wants it to be good, she needs to get herself a really experienced guy. And I said, you know, I'm, I want to tell you in my work, what I've learned is that experience doesn't mean squat, you know, that actually listening and I didn't say these words to my kids, but attunement, like being able to be sensitive to your lover and to be concerned about them and mutually, right, that the that the woman is deeply attuned and concerned and offers mutuality in the sexual experience, that's really a better predictor of whether the sex will last than necessarily they had a bunch of experience or they're full of flash now. You know, um, I, I really think it's about their sensitivity to you. And your ability to be sensitive to somebody else. And um, that's the best predictor of long-time sex because sex can be hot, hot, hot in the beginning. And it, you know, once this conflict enters, sex can be killed. So you have to be with somebody who has a little bit of consciousness, wants to work on things, wants to think deeply, which sounds like you guys do. I mean, you're already investigating um many psychological principles. Oh, we investigate a lot of crazy stuff in great yeah, America. I yeah. Guess, yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't limit it to that. You don't um, discriminate on no, the yeah. psychological stuff. I can't remember what moment you, you mentioned something about how you were, how you're thinking about uh, how that partner doesn't have any needs or how they'd be the perfect this or the perfect that. And it's got, got me thinking about simulation theory. And I'm always thinking that we live in a simulation because it just makes more sense than everything else. But, uh, you know, even if that's not true, everyone's living in their own simulation anyway. You know what I mean? You're running your fucking million simulations a day through your head. Yeah. It's really something else. we got another question from the chats. Okay. Um, I won't say the, uh, it's from Lena. How should we approach a partner with porn addiction? So, good one. Uh, I mean, I think, first of all, you need to talk about your own needs. And porn addiction may mean um, he's not with you anymore. Or it may mean, you know, I feel threatened by you looking at this. Or it may mean something worse, right? You know, he's not going to work because he's looking at porn. You know, I I don't know the degree it is. And I would say that people throw around the term addiction pretty lightly. Um, You know, I I probably have a more technical idea about that as a therapist uh, than somebody who just looks at porn and wouldn't say they're an addict, whereas potentially their partner would. Um, But so, you know, I I think 
a true addict, somebody who's in trouble, um, you know, using this instead of sleeping, not getting to work on time, you know, maybe it's escalating to using um, escorts or prostitutes. I mean, this is deep stuff and needs to be, you know, looked at, you know, very, very closely, very, very quickly. I had a woman who came in who told me her husband upskirted and that's where you put a phone in like a basket or something and try to see in her women's skirts. And she said, you know, he's only done it a couple of times. I was like, oh my God, you know, this is illegal. It will ruin you. It, you know, it's, you know, you know, there are cameras everywhere. I mean, are you kidding? And she denied this problem. Whereas it sounds like this woman is aware of the problem. I, I think you need to speak up for yourself and say, you know, I, um, I, I can't live with this. Um, you, you're going to need help to break this or tell him why, you know, I, I want to be your one and only, this is too threatening to me. Um, I would also have an expert, although I will say that experts are very divided on this, um, you know, but somebody help you think about this. Is this, you know, worth breaking the marriage up? Because I've had people who say literally my partner's an addict because he thought about using porn and it's not having used it. So there's a wide variety here, but I think a, somebody who is excessively using porn and not sleeping with you, um, that's a big problem. I agree. It comes back to communication again. Eh? Communication mm-hmm. seems to be a big one. Yeah. That humans are bad at. That's another one that could be distractions, right? Like it was probably easier to communicate when you spent most of your time having face-to-face conversations. Yes. Well, I suppose we won't keep you any longer. Uh, Lori, you have any, any closing thoughts before we wrap up? Well, I, again, would love to invite your listeners to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy, and I thank you for having me. This has been a really wonderful conversation. Oh, that's um, good. I'm delighted to have talked with you and um, to have learned some more about you and Gramerica. Um, I, I'm really thrilled. I, uh, I didn't know that you had the other podcast as well. I will definitely go and listen to that one too. Uh, I think that's exciting that you're trying to talk and have conversation with men. I think that's, if anything, I see some really, really nice men in my practice and they're often so lonely, you know, so isolated, um, not knowing you know, other men who are having deep conversations. So I'm kind of thrilled to know that you are doing that. Yeah, We're, it's, we're it's, trying to, anyway, I, I know Adam's listening right now, yeah. so I'll make sure he sends you over all the info. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah it's be strange great. because we started, you know, we started talking about things we're, we're interested in. That was the sort of the thing of our, con, our, our podcast, the concept. It was just stuff we're interested in all these you know, ancient mysteries and, and crazy things. But what happened was we started to share people's stories and get into our own, try to be authentic and real. And then this community started to to build around with a bunch of guys as well. I mean, and females, but I mean, the guys that we've met through this podcast and like we have, like we have a chat room and like Darren was mentioning, guys started uh, sort of creating a little book club. I mean, the love and the, the honesty and the, the depth of conversations we have with everybody is just, it's mind blowing. I mean, that's one of the, the best things that came out of this was not only just talking to, to guests like yourself, but the people that, that the now we're friends right? with that, that you can talk to about all this deep stuff. Like we can have, 
really deep conversations with friends online or, or within this community that, you know, you can't have a lot of with just people in everyday life, it seems like. Or getting the emails from people that, you know, that are just lazy ramblings or chatting with people. And it's just like, you know, mm -hmm. it got me through a tough time or it did this or it did that. And it's just right. now it becomes responsibility. Now we just can't stop. Yeah, Which that is, that is really great. Well, I wish you guys a lot of luck. And I have been honored to be on this podcast. Yeah, Thank you. Thanks yeah. and good luck come on your back, show. And come yeah. back anytime. We got a bunch of people in the chat that said everyone was kind of nervous on how this one was going to go, but everyone says it went great. So another one. See, we can fit <laughs> okay, anything great. into this podcast. Yeah. Right on. Okay, well, come back. Thank Thanks, you. Lori. Thanks, come Lori. back anytime. Okay. Bye. And that was our chat with Lori Watson. What did you, uh, what'd you think? I, you know, I expected some more personal questions from you, buddy. I thought you, I thought you scheduled this to work on some stuff. No, no, no. honestly, I just, uh, I really like the show yeah. and I became a patron of the show. Oh yeah. The, oh, that's right. And so I remember, I remember what happened was out. I became a patron in the sh of the show. And when I did that, it emailed all of the Grimerica all, patrons. That's hilarious. All, all 88 of them or whatever. It and is. said, and hey, guess who Grimerica's uh, patroning yeah. now? The first one. Yeah. And then I got a, and then I, I actually got a ton, ton of interest in it. And people were listening to the show and that's everything else. That's why they do and, that, I guess. And uh, I mean, it's not, and I'm actually just looking up right now because I don't want to get his name wrong. But uh, it's not just Lori either. It's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had. Yeah. I was going to. I was going to mention that in the bio as well. Yeah, I thought that was a good, uh, it was a good show. I mean, it really makes sense. Um, I don't know about, about, uh, Adam Matthews. Yeah. Dr. Adam Matthews. Yeah. So they're great. I mean, the, the Gottman stuff's in there and it's just, I mean, it's, uh, it's something I'm focused on right now. And I went, I supported their show and they didn't have a lot of patrons. And I was just like, you know, you, it's one of those times when it was, um, it was like, you know, let's try and use the platform to yeah. try and help, you know, someone yeah. else get some more listeners that I think is doing important work Yeah, because it's one of those, I mean, I'm kind of one of those dudes that'll just, I'll go find a podcast and whatever now these days. And I'm, I don't really have any shame when it comes to, or shame's not the right word, but I guess I'm not, reservations I'm not, or? I don't have any reservations about talking about certain things or seeking help about yeah. certain things or telling people I'm yeah. doing it. So, yeah. Yeah. um, it just seemed like, you know, let's get it, get them on the show and turned out to be a great chat. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was going to ask her about the King Warrior Magician. What is that one that, uh, King Warrior Magician Lover? Yeah. Cause she mentioned kingdom and I thought, oh, but yeah, it's yeah, in that, reference to that. I was going to get her to go into a little bit more of that. Yeah. That's part um, of it. We could do another show down the road. Yeah, for we sure. should. Cause yeah, I mean, we'll have a, a, we'll have a bunch more questions. Um, you know, it's always good. You know, to get, and, get I, to and I'd like to ask like two more personal questions. Maybe get our girlfriends in here. Yeah. Or my girlfriend and your wife. Well, you know what else would be good is to do one like that and open it up. Open? open what do you mean? Fuck off. Open, what do you mean? open, open it up to the chats. So have it so people know ahead of time. You know, I didn't think about that, but when you have a professional on, especially a professional that's, you know, got, got, that's a therapist. That might be something that the audience might want to know about ahead of time. Okay. So they ask their own questions, you mean? Yeah, because, so, I mean, obviously it seemed like the porn question was uh, pertinent to, yeah. to her, you know? So, yeah. you know, people might have, people might listen to this and oh, be like, ah, oh, okay. fuck, man, I, I have no, some questions. No, I see what you mean. So we should put a note in the chats and say, hey, we're having this person on. <laughs> Send in your personal questions and we'll ask or, or they can ask or, 
you know, we can ask. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good idea. Yeah. I was going to ask a little bit about other ways to, to, um, diagnose or, or, or figure out how people are in those relationships, like the whole chaser, um, uh, pursuer distancer. distancer. Yeah. Like it, it seems like there's gotta be other things. Like what if you're the same? I guess that's just, you know, I guess that's okay. That's just. No, I don't think it works like that. I was going to ask her about sexual, um, (coughs) sexual, what's the word? Like, let's say, uh, your needs are more than mine in a relationship, like matching, matching those sexual needs. Yeah. I was going to ask about that too. We should have, we should have kept going for a little while. I don't know. How long was that show for? An hour. Oh, it was an hour already. eh? Well, that was great. That was fun. And next time, we'll, maybe we'll have some more own personal questions about it. I tried to get a little personal there. But. That was great. Good people. I generally enjoy how open and free you guys are, not trying to push an agenda. Actually, no, we had a few people in the chats that were worried about how it was going to go, but everyone seems to, you know, we could interview anyone here. That's the beauty of not, see, remember we are going to do a paranormal show? Can you imagine if we were just stuck doing paranormal stuff? Oh, yeah, I mean, I love me some paranormal stuff, but I would have fucking beat my head off the wall by now. It's just like, hey, we're doing our 87th Bigfoot show. And that's not even paranormal. Yeah. Like for a lot of people, that's yeah. like a separate category. We'd be getting, we'd be getting hate mail on the Bigfoot shows. <laughs> this is supposed to be paranormal. This is crypto, you fucks. <laughs> All right, guys. Grimerica.ca slash support. Um, you know, I don't think there's a... You could do a show like we do without having... Uh, no, without Direct listener support. Yeah. I'm not even just talking about because of the content. I'm just talking about because of the, you know, the advertisers would be like, they couldn't even No, they can't find demo, a demo. They can't, they can't demo, you guys. Right? You guys like, are all over like, the fucking yeah, map. Yeah, they're you like, can't. how are you supposed to sell to 15 to 25-year-olds when you're doing a sex therapist podcast? Yeah, exactly. They'd fucking, they wouldn't be happy. So that's why you got to go to grammarica.ca slash support and keep supporting the show so that we don't get stuck being a paranormal podcast selling Squarespace ads because that would fucking suck. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Grammarica.ca slash support. Anything else? That's about it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week.
for them laser beams. Climb to the top of the pyramid scheme. Capitol Hill's getting steeper and steeper. Meanwhile, the deck gets deeper and deeper. Don't get comfortable, three figures. Cause it's gonna take more than hand and eye coordination on your PlayStation. It's gonna take mind elevation. There must be a glitch in the Sent you there 